Thank you to the talents and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. We thank God for that. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Instead of continuing our uh, look at the life of Joseph, we're going to look at a passage that will be preached all over this world today by multitudes of preachers, no doubt. I'm interested in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking about the kids and how they've grown, the young people, how they've grown. Uh, Chris Sure has grown hair. Don't you look at him. And uh, Brother Chris, you're still preaching out at Sand Springs every Sunday right now. And we'll be through the spring probably. And uh, we want you to continue to pray for him. What time do y'all start this morning? At 10. Start this morning at 10. And uh, all right. You may want to go out there and support him while you have an opportunity. I've heard him preach before, so I don't care anything about it. Amen. <laughs> but uh, it is so good to hear Miss Angie play the piano. Donald leading the singing, the talents, singing the special music, our congregational singing, smiles on your faces, hands in the air. And, uh, oh, my soul, I've missed this so. As a matter of fact, back in January, we did different in our uh, Bible Institute classes this time. We did virtual. Uh, we didn't want to omit it. We omitted it last fall. So we did virtual. Our, our uh, Internet signals, kind of like our phone signal in Troy, it kind of fades in and out. So... I'd come up here on Thursdays when I was doing my part of the class in January. I'd come out here and I'd pray on this side of the altar. I'd go back. I'd get set up. I'd do my class. I'd come back out here and pray. I'd walk the grounds over. And they'd just be a tugging on me. And, uh, and uh, I have so missed and longed to be back inside. I don't think anybody has missed shaking hands this morning. I've been in just a handful of churches. Most revivals have been canceled um, over the last year or so, and so I haven't preached out as much as what um, I had in the past prior to this. But I have been in a handful of churches, some of which they'd look at you and stare at you and wave from afar. But most churches I've been in, what few I've been in, they haven't missed a lick, and um, they've gone right on. Uh, I say that, and I welcome a handshake. If I reach for your hand, let me say it again. If you're not comfortable with that, you hold your hand up, I'll respect you. I promise I'll respect you. If you're shaking hands and you're coughing, stay away from me. Amen. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 15, as you find verse 1, would you stand with us, please? Visitors, please make yourself at home. You're in the Lord's house. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. First Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 20. Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Aren't you glad we stand in the gospel and the truth of it today? By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto, unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. 
For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Brother Chris, sure, would you pray for us, please? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for standing. You heard me say when we were uh, preaching somewhere in the midst of the 13 messages, we preached out of 1 Corinthians 13 last year. And then I said in recent weeks again that if I could only have, if there were a law passed somehow and we were bound to only uh, two books of the New Testament, I would take the book of Romans for its doctrinal content and I would take the book of 1 Corinthians. The reason why I would choose 1 Corinthians is because it is our problem book in the New Testament. So many problems were addressed and fundamentally any problem that a church will face Um, You can find the solution for that. You can find that problem being addressed fundamentally in the book of 1 Corinthians. They were a problem people. You even see it surfacing again in uh, 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, problem after problem, I won't rehearse all of those in your hearing this morning. But one of the problems is the heresy of no resurrection. Believing that there was no resurrection had crept into the church. As a matter of fact, if you'll look back with me in verse number 12, here's the purpose for this great chapter, the resurrection chapter. Verse number 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of, among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
They were embracing something that wasn't taught by Paul. It had not been preached by Paul. But somehow, someone had brought that into the church, and it was being believed and embraced. Of course, that reminds us that if a church is not Bible-based, if there's not a steady diet of preaching these scriptures, not just about the scriptures, but preaching in the scriptures, as Kenny Digby would say, that is stitching in and stitching out as the message is taught or as it is preached. If we're not anchored to the Bible and look uh, uh, perpetually to the Bible, then any church, any body of believers uh, may be susceptible to false doctrine. You'll notice with me in verses 1 and 2, these believers were saved. Uh, The Bible says, moreover, brethren. I like that word brethren. Over and again through the book of 1 Corinthians, he calls them brethren. He addresses them as his brothers. Now, they were not in a physical union, but it is a spiritual family that is referenced here. The word brethren speaks of those from the same womb. Much like I have two sisters, uh, he's speaking in a spiritual realm, and he writes to them, moreover, brethren. Now, sometimes when someone goes astray in their thinking or their philosophies about the Bible or uh, in their doctrine, if they go astray a bit, uh, we may tend to think, well, they must be lost. But then Paul realizes they have uh, they are standing in the gospel, and so he addresses them as brethren. He writes, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. And then he adds on words here. He writes in verse number 2, by which also ye are saved. And so we're reminded here that even saved people, even a congregation of believers, can uh, get off, um, as we would say here in the south and left field perhaps. I like what Harry Ironside wrote concerning the heresy in the church at Corinth at the time of this writing, the heresy over the resurrection. This is what he wrote. He said, we are almost thankful that the error was permitted to rise so early in order that it might be met by the pen of inspiration. And here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul takes pen to paper, and he writes this epistle, he writes this letter, and he addresses this heresy. So the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has dealt with this. I want to say a word or two, if I may, about the gospel. If you'll remember, two years ago, we had been out in the fellowship hall. Two years ago on Easter Sunday, that was our first Sunday back after GNW had done our, um, our remodel and our addition out front. And it was on Easter Sunday that we came in here. And I preached from the first four verses of this chapter on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I want to say a word about the gospel. And then I want to say a word about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'll say some things you've heard me say regarding the resurrection In days gone by. You'll notice with me in verse number one, the gospel defined. He he writes about the gospel. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. The word gospel means good news or glad tidings, joyful sound. The hymn writer wrote, I have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the happy word from God to the sinner uh, that would come to Christ. And then in verses 3 and 4, there's the gospel demonstrated. Verses 3 and 4, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. In that verse, you find the cross of Calvary, the cross that Christ died upon, that he hung upon, that he was nailed to. In that verse... 
And then in verse number 4, the Bible says, and that he was buried. Now, that's a sign, verification that he died. He was buried. In that phrase, you find the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And then in verse number 4, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The gospel demonstrated. In our minds, as we read through verses 3 and 4, we see the cruel cross of Calvary. Uh, we see the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And we see Christ's glorious resurrection in these verses. The gospel is not what we have done uh, for God. But the gospel is what Christ has done for us. And so the gospel is demonstrated before us here. And then Paul says that he has declared the gospel. As a matter of fact, here in verse number 1, he writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. In other words, I make known unto you the gospel. In verse number 2, he writes, By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory, he says, What I preached unto you. He said, I've made known unto you the gospel. And then in verse number 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Thank God for Paul's faithful declaration of the gospel. And may I just pause to say, I was counting a while ago, just a while ago, while Donald, Denise, and Jamie were singing to us, there are four preachers in the service. And I thank God for your faithful declaration of the gospel. Uh, we need more gospel preachers, amen, uh, telling others what Christ has done for us. And uh, thank God for a, for a gospel preacher that told me long ago how that Christ died for my sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, no doubt in your mind, child of God, you're thinking about, as I mentioned that, someone who faithfully has stood behind a pulpit somewhere and declared the Word of God. Hey, he might not have preached on the death of Christ every Sunday, the burial of Christ every Sunday, or the resurrection of Christ every Sunday, but he kept coming back to it. And the Spirit of God was able to convict you of sin, righteousness, and of judgment, and you bowed your head and heart one day before uh, the Son of God himself and cried out for mercy, and he saved your soul. I say thank God for missionaries and evangelists and pastors and preachers all over the globe that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is called in the Word of God the gospel of the kingdom. It's called the gospel of God. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel of the grace of God. It's called the gospel of the glory of God, and it is referred to as the everlasting gospel. Now, the gospel teaches us the doctrine of penal substitution. Uh, you'll find here in verse, uh, notice with me in verse number 3, this phrase, he died for our sins according to the Scriptures. In other words, that says something about uh, the fallen uh, race of humanity, sinful humanity. Uh, we are sons of Adam's fallen race. Every one of us were born to this lot in life. Larry Winkler preaches a message where he refers to uh, Romans chapter number 3, verses 10 to 12, and he says, we find there four black nuns. Listen to them. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And so we, uh, we find here when Paul writes, he died for our sins according uh, to the Scriptures, that we, we must consider the sinful nature of man. Christ didn't die just as a martyr. But he died to redeem fallen man. 
be careful about going around where a gospel is preached and it leaves out sinful, the sinful condition of man. So he, uh, so he, he, he settles us in here on the fallen uh, nature of humanity. But then he also zeroes in on perfect deity. The sinless son of God died for sinners. That's the message of the gospel. Charles Wesley wrote, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? And that's exactly what the gospel is. How that Christ bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, upon the cross of Calvary. Isaiah writing beyond himself. I've often wondered if he understood what he was writing. In Isaiah 53, just two of the verses from there spoke to me as I was considering this message even last night. Verses 5 and 6 of Isaiah 53 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. It was like God took his heart and put him on the scene just outside the Jerusalem gate, looking up at the lovely Son of God as he was bleeding for the sins of humanity. He says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The verse I keep coming back to, you've heard me do so. The last year and a half, it has spoken to my heart so. Second Corinthians 5 and 21. Uh, Paul wrote of double imputation in that verse. He wrote, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The great exchange of eternity that my sin was placed upon the Son of God. And when I came to Calvary, his righteousness has now been given to me. I glory in that. As a matter of fact, all I have to glory in is Christ and his righteousness, for I have no claim of my own. I love what John MacArthur said about that. He said, when Christ died upon the cross of Calvary, he said, the Father looked upon him and treated him as though he had lived my life. And, uh, and because of Calvary, he now looks upon me as though I have lived the life of Christ. I tell you, he got my sin, and I was able, he was able to give to me his righteousness. I stand in Christ and in Christ alone. But this passage also teaches us that this is the gospel of scriptural verification. He writes in verse number 3 and verse number 4, he includes the phrase that all this happened according to the scriptures. Verses 3 and 4, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Here it is, according to the scriptures. Verse number 4 says, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Here it is again, according to the scriptures. The gospel is of divine design. And there have been those that have stood and as if to apologize, as though there was some mix-up. Some slip-up in Calvary was plan B of some sort. But I tell you, it's planned from eternity past. When Peter preached on the great day of Pentecost, some 3,000 were saved. But Peter reminded the people, he, he served that notice on them that day. He, speaking of Christ, said him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God is no plan B. It was set up to be that way the whole time. Even when that the officers came to apprehend Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, they thought they were ambushing him as they followed Judas's carrot, but he ambushed them that day. I tell you, it was all planned from eternity. When he stood before Pilate, he said, This is what I came forth to do. He said, I was born to die. Pilate, this may have caught you by 
uh, caught you by surprise. I'm not a bit surprised. This is what I've been prepared for. This is what I have come to do. Jay Knight shared uh, yesterday or the day before a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Let this uh, grip your heart. Spurgeon said so many years ago, it seemed as if hell were put into his cup. He seized it in one tremendous uh, drought of love. He drank damnation dry. He took my wrath. He took my punishment. There have been those through the years that would say it should have been me upon the cross of Calvary. But uh, dear heart, if it had been you on the cross of Calvary, wouldn't have made a bit of difference. You'd have still died and gone to hell. The sinless son of God had to die for sinful man. But then again, this passage teaches us that the gospel is the gospel of the historical resurrection. Reading verses 10, uh, verses 5 through 10, you'll find that there are many witnesses to the risen Lord that is recorded in this chapter. Verse number 5 says, And that he was seen of Cephas, that's Simon Peter, of course, and then of the twelve, the others of the disciples that had followed and been so close to our Lord. Verse number 6 says, After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. That is, at one time. He was seen of more than 500 at one time on one occasion after his resurrection, of whom the greater part remain under this present. It's as though Paul is saying, Go ask them. Most of them are still alive. He said, But some are fallen asleep. That is, some of them that has witnessed the resurrected Lord have since died. Verse number 7, And that he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all, uh, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. And then he goes on and writes out that he is the least of all the apostles. This passage also teaches us regarding the gospel, that it is the gospel of spiritual salvation. He's writing to a group of people that have been saved, Someone has written dark the stain that soiled man's nature, long the distance that he fell, far removed from hope in heaven, in deep despair in hell. But there was a fountain open, t'was the blood of God's own Son, purified the soul and reaches deeper than the stain has gone. Steve Gaines, who followed Adrian Rogers at Bellevue Baptist Church, recently stated, if Jesus is dead, nothing matters. But if Jesus is alive, Nothing else matters, and that is the truth. That's why we've gathered here today, because we serve a risen Savior. Would you consider the rest of this uh, passage of Scripture with me concerning the resurrection of Christ? Note with me, if you will, the requirements that demand the resurrection of Christ. Look with me at verse number 14. If Christ be not risen from the dead, the success of our preaching is vain. Verse, Verse number 14 says, And if Christ be not risen... Then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. In other words, if Christ be not risen, when people respond to an altar, after I preach or one of these other brethren preach, as people move, they're moving in vain. It's all pointless if Christ is still in the grave. If he be not raised from the dead, it's all worthless. It's all pointless. The success of our preaching is but vain. The strength of our faith is but vain if Christ be not risen. Again, verse number 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith, he says, is also vain. In other words, there's no foundation for our faith. If Christ remains in the grave, if, he, if his body did not resurrect, if he did not rise from the dead. As a matter of fact, verse 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. How we are yet in our sins. If Christ be not raised from the dead, you'll notice the scriptures 
cannot be trusted if Christ be not raised from the dead. Verse number 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. Do you know if the Bible cannot be trusted regarding the resurrection of Christ? Then we cannot trust at the creation account. We cannot trust the account of Job the patriarch and all of his sufferings. Now God sustained him, excuse me, Paul and all of his sufferings and how God's grace was found to be sufficient. But I tell you, the scriptures are trustworthy. But if Christ be not risen from the grave, verses 18 and 19 lets us know our sights on heaven are all vain, verses 18 and 19. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. When we bid farewell to the saints of God, they do, but to, as an animal, when we take their bodies out and decay and they just cease to exist, if Christ be not risen from the grave, there's no hope of a, reu- a reuniting in heaven if Christ be not risen from the grave. Let me give you some reasons to believe in the resurrection of Christ, uh, if I may. First of all, we believe in the resurrection, and by the way, we believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. We don't believe that the resurrection of Christ is just when a man bows in an altar and um, seeks salvation of Christ, that his spirit rises up within him. Uh, some believe that's the resurrection of Christ. But dear heart, bodily he rose from the grave. We believe it's one of the fundamentals uh, of the Christian faith. It's one of the cornerstones, one of the bedrock uh, foundational uh, doctrines of, the, uh, of Christianity. We believe bodily rose and got up and walked out of the grave. And then Matthew, I'll read several verses to you where Christ uh, bodily resurrected, and he anticipated his bodily, uh, his bodily resurrection himself. He prophesied of it as though it had already taken place, though he had not even yet been to Calvary. In Matthew 12, verses 39 and 40, the Bible says, But he that is Christ answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In Matthew chapter 20, 17 to 19, the Bible says, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Mark chapter 9, verse number 9, And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. Mark fourteen twenty eight. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. And Luke chapter 9, verse 22 says of Christ, saying, Had the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. John chapter number 2, verses 18 to 22 the Bible says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said unto them, and that they 
that uh, he had said this unto them, excuse me, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. He anticipated the resurrection himself. He prophesied of his own resurrection. Uh, Over and again, he spoke of his resurrection uh, from the dead. But then there's another reason to believe in the resurrection of Christ. All four gospel accounts uh, give witness to Christ after he's risen uh, from the dead. Matthew gives two accounts of the resurrected Christ. Both accounts are found in Matthew chapter number 28. Mark records three appearances of the resurrected Christ. All three of the appearances are recorded in Mark chapter 16. Luke records four appearances of the resurrected Christ. All four appearances are recorded in Luke chapter uh, number 24. And then John records four appearances of the resurrected Christ. But then you consider his apostles, uh, those that have followed him closely. When you consider their transformed lives and what Christ has done for him after the death, burial, and his resurrection. Consider the two on the Emmaus Road. It was Cleopas. I'm convinced it was his wife Mary that was with him on the Emmaus Road. Sad and discouraged, distraught, because their hopes and dreams were uh, were nailed to a cross. Uh, He died like a criminal. Died as a sinner ought to die. And uh, yet they had pinned all their hopes and dreams on him. They were walking back home on the Emmaus Road and were joined by another with a capital A. He was Christ himself. They would say among themselves in Luke 24 and verse number 21, but we, we trusted that it had, had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. But I tell you, once Christ revealed himself to them, I tell you, their fears and their distraught was turned into courage and boldness. They went and told the disciples, we've seen him. We've seen the risen Lord. He sat at the table with us. He walked on the journey with us. And I, I want you to know that he is risen. You remember Simon Peter? Well, we get down on him very hard because of his public denial of Christ. But may I remind us, even the disciple whom the Lord loved, John, he also fled. They all fled. They all turned their backs on the Lord. Yet after his resurrection, there Peter is in Acts chapter number 3, looking at the lame man. He said, hey, look here, look here. All attention right here. He said, I'm a Baptist preacher. He turned his pockets inside out. He said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That old boy, that old boy did. He got up and walked and they couldn't get rid of him. And I'm telling you, there was such a stir that Peter and John were brought before the Sanhedrin. And they were charged not to preach this living Lord again. But I tell you, Peter didn't turn and run there. The Bible says in Acts 4, verses 18 to 20, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge it. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They got, as one old country preacher said one time, they got the can't help it. Amen. I'm telling you, they couldn't help themselves. They couldn't help but tell what they had been a witness to. I tell you what keeps our preacher, us preachers going. I was speaking to a preacher late Thursday night from the state of North Carolina. And I'm telling you, he was struggling and struggling hard. I said, I'll make a prediction. I predict Sunday morning you'll be back in your pulpit. And uh, you may be struggling, but there's a constraint on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost of God has arrested you up. 
and, uh, and uh, put you into the ministry. I predict no matter how bad you feel, you'll put one foot in front of the other. That's what makes a missionary keep going to the field. That's what makes him faithful. It is that we are a witness unto the resurrected Lord. I give you another reason to believe in the resurrection of Christ. It is that every Sunday, as I mentioned in the announcement time, I believe it was, every Sunday we don't meet on the Sabbath. We don't meet on the seventh day of the week. Uh, we don't meet on that Saturday. The Sabbath was given as a sign to the Jew. Never was given to the church. We meet on the first day of the week. And that is Sunday. We meet on the first day of the week. Because before the sun ever came up, uh, Jesus Christ walked out uh, of the grave alive. He defeated death, hell, and the grave and the devil. Some people think there's a big wrestling match went on somewhere between Calvary and, uh, and that first Easter morning. What wrestling match? The devil's a created being. Even when, he, even when he defeats him at the battle of Armageddon, all he's going to do is speak the word. He's a, he's a defeated foe. Thank God he is. And, uh, but the first day of the week is the only special day. Mentioned in all of the New Testament is on the first day of the week that Jesus Christ gloriously raised from the dead. It was on the first day of the week that the resurrected Lord appeared to Mary. It was on the first day of the week. He appeared to the disciples on the Emmaus Road. We just referred to a few moments ago. It was on the first day of the week. He appeared to the disciples with Thomas being absent. It was on the first day of the week that he appeared to all of them. Thomas now present. He said, thrust thy hand into my side. Put your finger into my hand. He said, you want evidence? Here I am. Handle me, touch me, and feel me. He said, here I am, Tom. Come take a look at this. And uh, it was on the first day of the week that Paul waited in Troas. He remembered the Lord's day. He broke bread with them. And he preached to the assembly, the congregation, the gathering that day at Troas. Paul commanded the Galatian Christians to give their offerings to the Lord's work on the first day of the week. He also commanded the Corinthian believers, that assembly, to bring their offerings on the first day of the week. In Revelation, it was the Lord's day, which we believe to be the first day of the week. And that John saw Jesus while exiled on the island of Patmos. Every time we gather, when we pull our Toyotas and our GMCs and we pull our whatever else we drive on the parking lot as somebody's driving by as somehow subconsciously they have to acknowledge that crowd really believes it. The resurrection, they really believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then when you consider all these false theories that are promoted, I mean, they just fall apart on their head, don't they? Consider the fraud theory. At the invention of the Jewish leaders that they put forth, had they put it forth, uh, put forth a lie and spoke it as though it were the truth. They say, they begin to purport that the guards, the Roman guards, fell asleep, and the disciples of Christ that they came in the night and stole the body of Christ. Uh, but now that would fall apart. I mean, if you go crucify Simon Peter upside down, hey, he may. He may live a lie, but he ain't going to die for a lie. If he had known where the body of Christ was, if he had stolen the body of Christ, he'd have said, all right, guys, that's enough. Of the rest of them, every apostle except for John the Beloved died a martyr's death. Had they have stolen the body of Christ, had they have stolen the body of Christ, they would have given that body up 
and their lives would have been spared as suffering as they died for Christ. And then part of the fraud theory that's been promoted as well was that the enemies of Christ, that they took the body. But now think about it. They despised, they hated Christ. And if they'd have known where the body was, think about it. Some 50 days after he's crucified, 3,000 are saved. Some 5,000 are saved a few days later. And, uh, and in uh, the book of Acts, we learn that the disciples, uh, the apostles were turning the world upside down, preaching the gospel. Now, the enemies of Christ had have known where the body was. They, if it had have been a hoax, they could have stopped it right there. It all falls apart, doesn't it? What about the swoon theory? Uh, the swoon theory purports that Christ was just brought nigh death, that they couldn't fill a pause. And, uh, and he just got right nigh death but didn't really die. And somehow when Joseph and Nicodemus took the body and they, they put spices and ointment upon the body and wrapped the body, that somehow they felt a pulse and somehow they ministered to him. Or maybe it happened like this, that Christ got in that cool, dark grave and somehow he revived, uh, though he was not dead, and uh, somehow revived and got up enough strength to move a stone out of the entrance of the grave. Then it took many strong men to roll into place. And then he nursed himself back to health. I'll tell you, that falls apart. Falls apart on its head as well. And then there's what's called the vision theory. Some believe that Christ made such an impact that people saw him just at a glance, thought, well, there, well no, it's not him. But, but if that be the case, then that would mean that many people would have had the same vision at the same time, over 500, at one given time. I'll tell you another reason to believe in the resurrection of Christ. That is the believer's transformation. Uh, the believers, uh, the believers uh, being saved by the grace of God. Aren't you glad you know Jesus Christ? There's a time in my life you couldn't hear me up and run me in a church. Matter of fact, I avoided a church. I avoided preachers. I remember being afraid of Doug Jones. I'd see him. In town, I didn't go shake his hand. I'd heard him preach. I showed up as about a 15-year-old boy at Victory, sat on the back row with Scott McCombs on a Sunday night, and I had long hair, and he preached on it. I was scared of him. Matter of fact, back then, I didn't know no better. I'd have probably thought there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and Doug Jones. I'm telling you, when God saved me, he changed me. You were kind enough a few years back to send us to England on the trip to England. And Amanda and me and uh, Brother David and Miss Lee and Brother Tom and Miss Kathy Hayes. And on Sunday morning, we went to Westminster Chapel where Martin Lord Jones and G. Campbell Morgan pastored. And then that Sunday evening, we went to Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle, um, the famed pulpit. Charles Spurgeon and others. The place was packed. I had been to Metropolitan Tabernacle three times in the 90s. It had almost dried up to nothing. That Sunday night, there were about 650 that were there. Dr. Peter Masters, we would think here in the States, especially in the South, in the Bible Belt, we would think he's dry. If you'll listen to him, you'll feed your soul. At the close of the service, they baptized, I believe it was 23. Of course, London is an international city. 
There were people from all kinds of backgrounds that were baptized. Dr. Masters is up in his years and becoming feeble. After he preached the message, he went over to the front row down here. We were sitting on the back, right back here. He goes to this side and he sits. One of the associate pastors, they have many, came to the pulpit to announce we're about to observe the ordinance of water baptism. Another associate pastor was standing at the entrance of the baptistry, which is in the floor behind the pulpit. And then there would be another associate pastor that would actually do the baptism. Before they would baptize them, they had to answer two questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died for your sins? And they had to say yes publicly. Have you placed your faith in Christ? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been born again? And they would say yes. All the while when Dr. Masters preached over here on the left side, there was a man that stood and he signed for the deaf. One girl, she had to be from Spain. She was deaf. She had been there and had listened to Dr. Masters preach in this section here. The associate pastor at the pulpit turned when it came her time to be baptized. The signer was there beside the associate pastor. He said, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? That he is the son of God. And as only a deaf person could say with great joy. She said, yes, yes. Have you repented of your sins and believed and trusted Christ? Have you been born again? She said, yes. Some of us cried like babies. He saves, uh, he saves the deaf and the blind. He saves the rich and the poor. He saves the drug addict and he saves the morally clean. He saves us all that have come to him. He saves our sons and daughters. Those that we are praying for. He will save them if they'll come to him. What a message Brother Thacker preached on our parking lot a few weeks ago on whosoever will. The old Puritan of our day stood right out here and preached a thorough message out of Romans 10, 13. Took me back to that night I cried out at Harrisburg Baptist Church in a youth meeting. Didn't know which end was up. Christ save my soul. Whosoever will, let him come. Thank God for that. Let me close by saying a word about the results of the resurrection. We have reason to assemble. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Reason to assemble. This concerns our worship. Hebrews 10, 25, still in the Bible, isn't it? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. And that day approaching is soon to be, where Christ shall call his bride forth from this world. I love Nehemiah chapter number 8 where the Bible says, and they gathered together as one man and said, bring the book. I love our singing around here. I love our fellowship around here. But we don't ever want to forget the book. Bring the book. Thank God for the gathering. When we gather, we're together as one man. We have a responsibility also because of his resurrection. We have a responsibility to share the gospel with this lost world. When Christ 
was about to depart from his disciples in Matthew's account. Matthew chapter number 28, it's Matthew's account of the Great Commission. Here's what our Lord said to his disciples and says to us. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. He didn't say the names, plural, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but he said the name, singular. Three persons, one God. Divine mystery. We don't fully understand it, but we bow to the truth of it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. <clears throat> Brother Mark Thrift, believe it or not, sent me a Marco Polo. It didn't break through until about 6.30 last night. He said, Brother Kevin, happy birthday. Greetings from me and Joni. I hope you're doing good and have had a good birthday, brother. Uh, Marco poloed him back. I said, Brother Mark, my birthday was in February. <laughs> I love you, though, just the same. He Marco poloed me back. Brother Kevin, I'm sorry you just now getting it. I sent it a day or two after your birthday, brother. I thank God for you and charity, man. You tell him, I said, and I said that one more time. I messaged him back. I said, Brother Mark, you don't realize it. We've not been in door services. We've been outside on Sundays only due to the COVID concerns. And, uh, but I said, on Wednesday evenings, I want you to know I repeat what I've said to you over the years. On Wednesday evenings, when we take prayer requests, your name is always mentioned for prayer. And we at Charity Baptist Church love you, brother. And we thank you for your faithfulness to the gospel and the missions work that God has called you to. And our church family loves you. That brother's all about the Great Commission. He's all about the Great Commission. He's not just about just going and telling He's about going and telling and leading them to Christ and bringing them into the local church and discipling them. That's the Great Commission. It's our responsibility. It's not just Mark Thrift's responsibility. It is our responsibility. And because of his resurrection, we have the reassurance there's going to be another resurrection one day. A glorious getting up morning, the old timers used to call it, where the saints of God are going to be called out of these graves. Some have preached it that these graveyards are going to look like new plowed up ground, but it doesn't have to be that way now. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to bust these graves to call these old bodies forth and change them in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. As a matter of fact, this old world, if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, this old world's going to explain away the disappearance of people. They're already doing it, you know. They're already trying to. Things are already being put in place. Matter of fact, you're looking at a preacher that is of the mindset that the rapture will be secretive as far as this world's concerned. Are you ready? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
Thank God for his gospel. I'm glad I heard one happy day. Worthless, sinful, wretched, and wicked. And yet he made room for me at Calvary. Who does Christ save? He saves sinners. That's who he saves. Christ saves sinners. Are you saved? Have you been born again? Do you know yourself to be a sinner? Christ to be your only hope. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There are not many ways to heaven. You'll bow before Christ in this walk of life, swallowing your excuses and your pride. You'll bow humbly before him here, or at the great white throne judgment, you'll bow trembling and in fear. Have you bowed before him? Do you know him? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Is there time you go back to where you know all of a sudden in a moment of time you now have a different relationship to the Son of God? You now have a different relationship to the Word of God. You have an appreciation for the people of God, the ways of God. Marcia, if you don't mind, I was, my wife and I, we were talking about you last night. I mean, we really talked about you. But if you don't mind, and I don't think you do, she knew for years something was missing in her life. And she struggled. Am I right? She struggled. And she struggled. She had it all right here. She, she believed Jesus Christ was the Son of God. She believed the Bible is true. She believed and knew she was a sinner. But there was no gravity to what she had. The good Spirit of God got on her trail. And she went from saying, I must be saved. I must, I be, I must be saved to saying, I am lost. Brother Will was headed to a job to work. His mom called him. I think she was saved before you got there, wasn't she? And I'm going to tell you, I've seen such a change. I've never known her to be a bad person. What we would consider bad, you've always had a good mama, boys, and a good daddy. But the joy... Do you have joy unspeakable? When things become difficult in your life, do you have a peace that passeth all understanding? Does the Holy Spirit abide within? Does the Word of God bring you strength and comfort? Some of the evidences of being saved. Miss Angie, would you come to the piano, please? Let's all stand.